Thanks for joining Cornerstone for our message of the week. We hope you'll be inspired and encouraged. To connect with our church family and to watch our services live, download our app today by texting Sparks Will Fly as one word, app to 77977. That's Sparks Will Fly app to 77977 or by visiting us online at sparkswillfly.cc. Genesis 28, I want to read these two encounters. I'm going off of a dream that I had, which was a week ago. I know the Lord speaking to me in the dream. If you were not here, let me tell you the dream that I had. In the dream, I was on, I was on this dirt road that I know very familiar. I've uh, been on it since I was a child. I was on this large mower or this small tractor or whatever, and then I come up. Uh, I, I travel a long distance down this road. And as I travel this long distance down this road, I notice that there's water coming over the road. And as the water's coming over the road, I have this thought, I've come too far to turn around. I do not have the fuel to turn around. How many knows that that's where we're at? We've come too far to turn around now. Y'all with me? We've come too far to turn around now. So in this, I looked to the side, and there was a there was a truck on the side of the road, and there was a lady inside the vehicle, and the lady did not have a shirt on. She was nursing she was nursing some children. She looked at me and said, "I I, I can't cross that. I we I can't cross that." And I said, "Yes, you can cross it." I said, "Follow me. We're going to cross it." I noticed that my tractor went right through the water. Uh, whatever, I did not see the lady anymore. As we move fo- further down the road, I noticed that this this large a uh, culvert pipe was in the road, but the dirt was missing on both sides. And I said, man, oh, oh I mean, how are we going to get across this? But the vehicle just jumped over, just, 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 the thing just jumped right over that obstacle. <clears throat> I came to the last obstacle where there was a lot of the road was missing at this point. And there was uh, like this ravine or whatever. So I jump over this and in midair, I realized that I'm not going to make it. And we're going to crash in the other side of the, the, the ravine. As I'm in the air, I have a divine knowing that Matt Smith is with me. Put both of us on that small track. There's probably a reason why we didn't make the jump. And so anyhow, so we land on this platform. And as we land on this platform, I'm immediately inside of a restaurant. As I'm inside the restaurant, Matt is to my left. And uh, there's uh, a ladies appear to him in business attire. He's talking to them. And then I am seated at a table. I noticed that I have on Under Armour Warm-ups, joggers, I have on Under Armour joggers, and I have on an Under Armour uh, pullover, a quarter zip, like I often wear sometimes. And then one of the things that I noticed that my legs and my thighs were extremely cut up. I mean, I'm talking about extremely built, not bulgy like some weightlifter. They were just extremely cut up. I noticed that everybody at the table was in extreme shape, extremely fit. Um, I had a, I had a just a divine knowing that I was at a table of either Division One or professional athletes. Chipper Jones was at the at the head of the table, and he began to converse with me. And he said, "Do you know a man by the name?" He said, "Do you know who Brian Taylor is?" I said, "I don't know. I do not know who." I, I, I told him about a guy that I graduated high school with. That graduated a couple years of high school in front of me, and there was just a play on words there in that dream, but I'll leave that out for sake of cause we're live on the internet. And so, so anyhow, then, um, he then introduced to me, uh, and to the table, he introduced me to, uh, his wife. But if you know Chipper Jones or whatever, the wife he's married to now is, um, the wife he's married to now, but anyhow, he is not a 50 something years old, but I had a divine knowing that this woman was 50 years old, just very beautiful, a 50-year-old woman, that's who he introduced as his wife. And I woke up from the dream. And I woke Catherine up and I began to share with her, you know, I don't understand why God, I've said this over and over, why God doesn't just speak to us in plain southern English or whatever, but it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. It's the honor of kings to search it out. I know this, that God doesn't hide revelation from us. He hides revelation for us. Are you with me now? So that only the hungry will get out and find it. You will get out and mine it out. Because where much is given, much is required. Are you with me now? 
where much is given, much is required. So God hides revelation for us, not from us. So as I begin to pray about this dream, I knew that the name Brian Taylor was highlighted. Remember, I'm just going back over this because you can't get everything like I preached last week for an hour and 15 minutes up here. You leave with bits and pieces of it that you remember. So uh, when I was young in ministry, I used to be afraid to preach the thing, same thing twice. But Pastor Dale told us, he said, if you'll preach something for six weeks, you'll begin to see it in your congregation. So it takes a steady application. Are you with me now? When we go to paint a wall, we don't just paint it. We don't just spray a thin coat over it and leave it because everything will start bleeding back through. You've got to put multiple coats on the wall if you want to see it begin to stick and the color to begin to change. So in that is uh, I knew that God was speaking to me about this Brian Taylor. As I began to Google and research who Brian Taylor was, Brian, I knew that Chipper Jones was the 1990 number one draft pick out of Bowles High School. He was selected by the Atlanta Braves. And then in 1991, I had no idea who the 1991 draft pick was. I had not, no idea who the 1992, 93. I never heard of this guy until I got on after the dream and I began to Google. When I began to Google this guy, I, I began to just see that he is probably the most decorated high school player to ever enter into the draft. Scott Boros, who is an agent, said in 28 years of the draft, he is the most talented, um, he is the most talented uh, young uh, left-hander we've ever seen. He's the most talent to ever enter into the draft of the high school. In the high school, this left-hander was touching 99 miles an hour. I mean, just unbelievable for the left side. He had a curveball, changeup, all these things, but his fastball was what he was living off of. And the other things could be developed. Well, through through uh, uh, Brian Taylor, what happens is, and everything you pull up is it just talks about the tragic end or just the tragedy of Brian Taylor. It's, everything was about tragedy. I'm like, okay, God, what are you saying? So I begin to research this. He gets in an altercation on December the 18th of 1993. He goes to get in a fight. And as he gets in a fight, um, he, he swings with his left hand, all that power and strength in the left arm. He misses his target, overextends his elbow, goes to the ground or whatever, and then he has a shoulder injury. He actually tears the capsule, destroys the capsule, and tears a the labrum. They, they, the doctor says it's the worst, uh, it was the worst shoulder injury he has ever seen. He never overed that shoulder injury, and he never pitched in MLB. He never made pitch one day in Major League Baseball in what we call the show. And I begin to look, and then I begin to search these other guys. There was only four in the history of Major League Baseball that was chosen number one. He's one of the four that never made it into the Major Leagues. So I took that. I begin to seek God, and I said, God, are you giving, what, what are you warning me about? What, okay, this guy's destined for success. Seemingly, everything's there for him to be successful, and it ends in a tragedy. God, what are you warning me about? So I begin to, I, I begin to think. Then I thought that God could be speaking to me about the election. I didn't know. I, there's a lot that we could throw in this dream that <clears throat> has to do with the election. I, I didn't know what God was saying to me. The only thing that I did know is that <clears throat> before that, before I had this dream, I'm praying, and I'm praying about really the time that Pastor Dale went to to, to Morningstar. And he comes back, and Junior, you remember this. That was when the snack bar was right there. Remember that, Junior, in the coat machine? He's sitting in there, and he says, God don't never give me no word like he gives Bob Jones or somebody else. That night, he goes home, and he has a dream. And in the dream, he goes in a vision, and he sees the Lord Jesus Christ in the vision from the waist down. And Jesus touched him and said, Arise and begin to study the Edmund Fitzgerald. Remember that. And Pastor Dale... And his humility come back and said that God we had the whole church on Wednesday night to pray for Fitzgerald, Georgia. You, you remember this. He prayed praying for Fitzgerald, Georgia. By this time, the headline news comes on, on, on whatever, and the news starts blasting. The, the, the ominous storm that sunk the Edmund Fitzgerald on the, Ed, on the anniversary of Edmund Fitzgerald is happening again. And God began to speak after studying that. This church put it in the print of an economic crisis because every highlight of that when he began to search the newspapers is that 29 men, 29 men, 29 men, uh, uh, 29 men lose their life. There was 29 men, and God was speaking about October the 29th, 1929, which was able to put us, able to put this ministry and those connected to this ministry, and it was hard to believe at the time that there was coming an economic crutch because, man, people were putting uh, driveways out into hayfields and selling it for $30,000 an acre. People making money hand over fist. But listen, how many knows it was the wisdom that Joseph received what, set, what made Egypt as a powerhouse? 
Are you with me? What blessed Pharaoh? And so his brothers could have had that anointing that was upon his life, but they hated him for his dream, shoved him out. He goes into Potiphar's house. Are you with me now? And, and that anointing causes that nation to rise up and to be able to store all of that grain because he had the dreams, uh, because he was able to interpret the dreams of the seven uh, fat cows and the seven skinny cows. So I'm like, okay, God, what are you saying? Well, God has blessed me, and, and especially in the last month, it's amazing that that Mark and Emily's here or whatever. We've known them for years. I knew them before they got married. Uh, we used to be at a place called Cutting Edge Ministries. Emily come with a keyboard. And uh, and so Monique would lead worship from her keyboard and she brought Emily on the stage and she said, you go put your keyboard right here beside mine. And she would let Emily play alongside of her. And finally, Emily got skilled enough and and she was, uh, she Monique finally come out from behind her keyboard and she played the keys over there. And, and so we've known them from a long time. And so you know that that they start calling and 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 people down in Brunswick start calling. What I'm just trying to say is this. The narrative in which God is working in our lives, listen, it, it takes time. This, this is why we, we have these services like for breakthrough and we say not give up and that the Lord is with us because that is, and, and what I want you to see here, I'm just really, let me just go out of my heart instead of reading all this. In Genesis 28, Jacob is a deceiver. He's heel grabber. He's got all of these things going on in his life. His life is extremely jacked up. He lied to to get the blessing from his father. Remember this? That uh, that uh, uh, Rebecca hears Isaac tell Esau, because he's old, I can die any day. Uh, I want you to go out and kill me some wild game. Fix it up. Bring it in here, and I'm going to give you the blessing. Well, Rebecca hears that, uh, and, and, and so Jacob is in the house, and she says, go out there and get uh, two goats or whatever. Bring it in. I'm going to cook it for your dad, and you're going to get the blessing. He said, but I'm, I'm fair-skinned. My brother's a, a, a hairy man. He's a wild guy, likes to live out in the woods and likes to hunt and all this stuff, but, but I'm fair-skinned staying in the house. She so she dresses his hands up and underneath his neck so that when Isaac looks at him, it's in a dim light. He can't hardly see. He says, your voice is the voice of Jacob, but you feel like Esau. How many knows we got to move by the voice in the days ahead, not by what we feel? Come on, church. I'm just trying to tell you that can, can we stay here for 20 minutes? I'm going to preach quick, okay? But we got to move by the voice in the days ahead and not by what we feel. A lot of times what you see and what you feel will contradict the voice in which you hear. God is wanting us to move by faith, not by sight. Are you with me now? This is where, so then my sheep know my voice and no other voice will I follow. So we got to have the ear circumcised, the ear tuned in where we can hear what God's saying. That's the whole purpose of prayer is not going there with a laundry list of what we need from heaven, but get in a place of stillness where we can hear the voice of God so that we can declare what he's saying on the earth because nothing happens until something's said. God is looking for people with his ear, come on now, that he can speak to, that you can begin to utter and prophesy that and declare that in a prayer room so Jacob steals the blessing and he's he he gets on the run knowing that he's going 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 run into his brother Esau so we get to Genesis 28 this is the first time that the house of God is mentioned in scripture how many knows that in, in interpreting scripture it's the law of first mention. So this subject is going to, the law of first mention says, however it's mentioned first, it sets up the subject for how to be interpreted later on. Are you with me now? So at this place, he goes to it, and, and the King James renders, he comes upon a certain place. It goes over and over and over about the place. How many knows that God didn't start this narrative in Jacob's life? He started it in his grandfather, Abraham. Y'all, come on now. He started it in his father, Abraham. And so this is about the same place that Abraham has his encounter. Now, two generations later, a grandson is fixing to have an encounter in the place that he had an encounter. This gives me great hope for my children. Come on now. The places I've had encountered with the Lord God just run up with them. You know what I'm saying? And so, so Jacob is in this certain place, and he has a dream in this place. Notice that his life is extremely jacked up. There's nothing about him that has been changed. He's on the run. He's a deceiver. He's living with the guilt of what he done to his brother. And God appears to him. He sees in this dream a ladder set up on the earth, and it ascends into the heaven. 
This speaks of the humanity of Christ and the divinity of Christ. Come on now. Notice the ladder starts on heaven. When Jesus said, pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Come on now. And so he sees angels ascending and descending upon this ladder. He hears God speak to him. And God speaks to him in this. Listen now, in his broken state, in his jacked up state, God releases a promise to him. God does not rebuke him for what he did to his brother. God does not tell him of his brokenness. God does not highlight his sin to him. God highlights this. I'm going to bless you. Indeed, I'm going to bless you. And never, never forget this, that I am with you always, even unto the end. I will never leave you nor forsake you, Jacob. Right here in your brokenness, the number one thing that's going to get you to your destiny is know the fact that right here where you're at today, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I don't care how jacked up you are. I don't care how many times you fall into the same sin. God said, I will never leave you. I am with you. And I'm telling you, the church needs to have an awareness that God is with us. He's with us in our business. He's with us in our family. He's with us in everything that we put our hand to. Are you with me now? He's with us. He's with us in everything that we're doing. Even though when it's hard, even when it looks like we're total on opposite ends of the spectrum of what God has said, I've found this out most of the time. Listen to this. The word word that you receive, the prophetic word of the promise you have inside of you, most of the times your circumstances is going to contradict that word. The Bible says until the word of the Lord came to pass in Joseph's life, the word of the Lord tested him. How many knows the word's going to work you before you begin to work the word? That word will test you. Prophet comes in and says, your finance is about to change. You're probably going to be in a season where you're having to rob Peter to pay Paul. And you telling me my finance is going to change? Come on now. Because God never speaks to where we're at. He speaks to the end. Come on, somebody. God never, never prophesies where you're at. He always prophesies at the bridge to get you from where you're at to where you're going. Because God sees the end. That's why he's committed to us. He sees you in your full mature state. You see your weakness. You see the heel grabber. You see the deceiver. But God was looking at that brokenness and he saw Israel, prince with God, one that has prevailed and overcome and moving in his destiny. Now, God, he, he reminds Jacob, I am with you. I am with you. Now notice this, that the place that he has this dream or vision is called loves, which means separation. It is, it is really until we begin to separate ourselves unto God, things are not going to begin to shift and change. Now notice this, he's at this place called loves, and there is a separate, it's called separation. But Jacob sets a stone, he sets a stone at that place, and, and he pours oil over the stone and he said, God is in this place and I knew it not. How many times have we been through some storms and been through some things and when we look back and say, man, I didn't know God was in it, but he was in that the whole time. Are you with me? You remember Joseph at the end of the journey, he said, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Come on, God was in this the whole time. So this, he looks, and not only that, listen to this, he looks at this stone and in this rubble of stone, He sees the house of God, which is what you have to have eyes for if you're in the American church. Because the American church is divided. We're segregated. We lack miracles. We lack passion. Come on now. We're we're in trouble in the American church. You don't see the underground church in China struggling for numbers. Come on now. We don't see the church abroad struggling. We just see what is happening in the Western world where we're living at. But Jacob said, this is none other than the house of God, the stones. So we got to look at the broken mess that we're in right here and look with prophetic vision and begin to see the house of God in the midst of the stones. Kevin, he used to, I was listening to him preach the other night, this thing about, he said, I didn't come for everybody, just somebody. He said that since he was a teenager. That's what I feel like this morning. I ain't here for everybody, but I am here for somebody. 
See, listen to this. So he looks at this rubble. He looks at these few stones. And in these few stones, he begins to see something called the house of God. Now, notice about the house of God that he defines. The house of God that he defines in Genesis 28 is a place where angels are descending and, and, and ascending. In other words, there's supernatural activity involved in the house of God. Let me just say this, that we know that this, this building is not the house of God anymore. Corinthians 3 says this, that know ye not that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. You and I are being now the house of God. Jesus came as the tabernacle of heaven on earth to model to us what a house of God should look like. When he looked at Nathaniel, he fulfilled this scripture in Genesis 28. He said this. He said, marvel not that I said I saw you under the fig tree, for you shall see greater things than this in John 1. He said, you shall see angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. I'm telling you, we are called to live a supernatural lifestyle full of revelation and light and glory to reveal God's goodness on the earth. Come on, y'all. Ephesians 1 says this. I pray that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened so that that word enlightened means light. Where we get the Greek word, where the, from that Greek word, we get the English word photosynthesis. Photosynthesis is this. It's the ability that a plant has to take light energy and convert it to chemical energy to provide light for organ to provide life for organisms. Are you with me now? This is the same thing that God's saying. I want you to take the my light of my revelation and convert it into wisdom on the earth so that my kingdom can be displayed around us on the earth. It's time for the church, the ecclesia, to rise up. We're trying to look to Washington, D.C. to fix the race problems, to fix everything other problem. I'm telling you that the church in the wisdom of God could begin to fix the problems in this earth. If we could only come together, I'm trying to help somebody in this room. Lord, I feel like I'm preaching in a funeral home. I'm telling you, Baptist church, give me more love this morning. I'm telling you, man. Are you with me? So, so Jacob is on this journey in his life. Man, I've been after this since I was a teenager. 18 years, 41 years old. And I've had so many that was running alongside of me. Some of them had like eight-year side trips, 10-year side trips. We've been steady at the plow on concrete for 20 years. And so then you get people that says, well, you know, I'm tired. I'm just wore out from it. I'm just wore out from it. That's the only gift in the Bible that says don't despise. It never says don't despise evangelism. But it says don't despise prophecy. Jess is a seer, visionary type person. The greatest weakness is that because he sees it so strong, it appears that it can be right now. But he could see something that's 20 years down the road. And because we've not feathered ourselves and because we're not all walking in the land toting the grapes over our shoulder, many have gotten discouragement and many have grown cold. So what we're going to have to have is some Marys with fresh encounters to go back to the old Elizabeth who says, I've seen him. Come on, y'all. We Most theologians believe that Mary... I mean, Elizabeth was the maternal aunt to Mary, which is John the Baptist was the first cousin of Jesus. Come on now, the forerunner. God's always called that Elijah anointing to be a forerunner to what's coming down the road. And what was he doing? He was turning the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers, crying, prepare ye the way of the Lord. And that's what the prophetic has been doing. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. They've been declaring God's coming. There's a turn happening. And we are at this turn right now in the history of this this nation. I'm telling you, the nation is turning. That is why we're seeing the things happening on the news that we're seeing happening in the church. If we don't catch this wave, we will miss it and we're going to be like the ten spies that were just with Joshua and Caleb in Numbers 13 and said we cannot take this land. I'm here to tell you we can take this land. We can see schools in revival. We can do it, church. The lady in the dream nursing the infant says, we can't cross the water. I said, we can't cross the water. 
It was Moses that took the staff when the people said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. God was not telling them to stand still and camp out. He was telling Moses, you throw that staff. You throw the authority that I'm with you down in the bottom of that Red Sea and the waters are going to turn up. Every time God called them to move, it was against unbelievable obstacles. When Joshua put the priest in the water, the Bible says that the river was overflowing. So it's not so to think that we're just gonna move in and take enemy held territory by eating cake and ice cream is baloney, man. There's gonna have to be a fight. There was 25 leaders in 2015. No, 2000, yeah, 2016, when Trump became the Republican nominee. The Christian leaders, 25 to 50 in a room, went to him and said, we as the church, we're concerned about your language. You talk too colorful. You're too straight up. We could get behind you if you could, if you could change or whatever. Trump looked at them and says this. He said, what kind of voice do you even have in the nation? Let's be honest, you have no voice. Which is why evil has prevailed because the church has no voice. We're the laughing stock of communities. Let's be honest with ourselves. Don't. Well, I feel the. Mm. We got we got we got Pentecostal playboys with with social media accounts, and we ain't got no power. We don't have no voice. And so when the church don't have no voice, God will go outside the church and raise somebody up that does have a voice. Because he's going to get his agenda accomplished, friend. Come on, somebody. Let's establish that. He's going to get what he wants to happen in the earth. Which is that whole Isaiah 45. Which is that whole book of Ezra, Nehemiah. All of that whole deal, raising up sires who knew not God. To begin to rebuild what was happening in the nation of Israel. Ain't it, ain't it funny that Cyrus, who knew not God in his third year, began to bring Israel back as a nation? Ain't it ironic that in Trump's third year, he moves the embassy of Jerusalem, that moves the U.S. back to Jerusalem? Well, she said, well, we can't preach politics in the church. You will never take down that government, that mountain of government, without being involved in politics. Politics are what legislating laws against the church. Come on now. And it, and for the and for the whole COVID deal, we didn't shut down abortion clinics, we didn't shut down nightclubs, we didn't shut down bars in California. We shut the church down, and they see even went as far as saying you can't worship in the building because of your mouth being open. Come on, somebody. Odd. Right, let's get back to the Bible. People get scared. So he said, "You don't have no voice. You have no voice." You don't have a voice. You've, you've, you've been timid behind the sacred desk and you have, you've lost the voice. All right. So he, ha- he, he, he gets this encounter. I'm, I'm going to try and land this plane. He gets this encounter in Genesis 28. What happens in Genesis 28 is God impregnates his heart that I'm with you. I want you to know that I'm with you. And I want you to know the promise that I began, I will complete it. Let's go to the New Testament. Philippians chapter 1, he that hath begun a good work in me shall complete it until the day of Jesus. God is 100% in the business of completing what he wrote in your life before the foundation of the earth. There is no demon, there's no devil, nothing can hinder that except for you. And what it prevents us from walking in that is the sin of unbelief, which is the ultimate sin. That's what kept them out. Remember when they came back in Numbers chapter 13, when they came back, Joshua and Caleb was in front of the people saying, listen, it is the land of everything we've ever dreamed of. There truly is. This is the fruit. We brought it back. We had to cut down a tree, man, and lay this cluster of grapes over the tree, over the tree branch just to be able to bring back the fruit of the land. So the other 10 rise up and says, no, man, listen, there, the, listen, we cannot take the land. We saw, we saw Nephilim there. 
We saw the sons of Anak. The giants are in that land. Not only that, their cities are strong and very fortified. And it says this, at the closing of Numbers 13, it says this, we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, so were we in their sight. So I knew that God was speaking to me in this dream. The reason why the thighs were extremely large is before we're ever going to possess, we are like Jacob. We got all these issues But God wants to do the transformation work in the area of identity. Come on now. Which is, we go to Genesis 33. Y'all right? We got 10 more minutes, okay? In Genesis 33, he's still the swindler. He's still got all these issues, but he's aware that God is with him. He's about to meet his brother Esau. And here he has another encounter, a night encounter with the Lord. He wrestles with a man. A man appears out of nowhere, boom, begins to wrestle him. This man seeing that he's not prevailing or whatever, notice this, that it's also in the shadows. It's in the same setting of when he goes in to deceive his father Isaac in the low dim light and he's having this altercation with this man. The man asked him his name. He said, what is your name? This time, Jacob rolls the the video from years prior where he lies to his father says I'm Esau but this time he's got to he's got to make an accurate he's got to make an accurate depiction of where he's at I am Jacob I am the deceiver I am the hill grabber and he said you shall no longer be called Jacob but you shall be called Israel prince with God one that has prevailed you you've wrestled with God and has prevailed in the, so other words, listen, we, this is where we got on this last week. We got on the Enneagram. Some some been worried about the Enneagram because it looks like a pentagram. Let me just say this. I'm not saying the Enneagram is just a tool, just like the disc task or everybody else. Everybody that's on a team should look at the Enneagram to see what type of personality profile you have. Because let me just go back to this. In our childhood, the human, the human race is built for this, survival. So all of us was not raised in homes like, like you remember when, uh, if you look at Proverbs, David said this to, to Solomon. He said, when you sit before kings. Our parent, most parents didn't raise us to think like that. I was not raised in that environment. Son, when you go preach before kings, this is how you to do yourself. This is how you to treat yourself. There's, a, there's an NBA coach that has never, went, has never won a national championship in his entire life. Never has won a national championship. One of the first thing that he does is he hires this company to come in and he puts this meal before his players and he teaches them how they would eat a five or seven course meal. And they said, why are you doing this? He said, because when you win the national championship, you're invited to the White House and I want every one of my players to know what they do with all these utensils in front of them. This is be. most of us were not raised like that. We were raised in homes where we had to develop survival techniques to make it. Come on now. Fear. Fear ran, runs rampant when we're, when we're children, all of these things. And I remember this. Um, you know, there's this little boy where the dad told the little boy, he said, you go get in your own bed. You need to quit being afraid and you need to sleep by yourself. And the little boy turned back to his dad and he said, well, you have to sleep with mama every night. You go get in your own bed. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But fear. So we get this thing called what? A personality. We develop a personality, right? If you look at the Greek word personality, it comes from where we get our English word mask. So what happens is, is Jacob picked up this identity, but he was destined to be the Israel. Come on, somebody. He was destined to be a prince with God, but he's living under this persona or this mask as a deceiver. And as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You will always act out who you believe you are. When I was a little boy, there was a cartoon on, and there was this chicken hawk. A chicken hawk eats what? Chicken. That's why they're so blessed. <laughs> These three preachers, all of them brothers, over in, uh, well, they used to all be around the Coffee County area. They're in different counties now, whatever. But anyhow, they went to their father, who uh, their grandfather, who was a pastor. One of them said, he told him, he said, Granddaddy, he said, I'd had a dream last night that I was eating fried chicken. He said, son, that's God calling you into the ministry. So this chicken hawk, what is it, frog horn, leg horn, right? 
this chicken hawk. He's on the ground living with chickens. Why? Because he believed he was a chicken. We will act out our true identity. This is why God's trying to help us. How many knows that your identity is not to live under no mask? You've been destined to be conformed into the image of the Son of God. As he is, so are we in this world. John 7, 38 says this, And out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. For this he spake of the Spirit. Verse 39, For the Spirit of God was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. God is not building my life today after the suffering Jesus. He's not coming back as a wounded servant. Come on, y'all. Y'all got five more minutes? He's not coming back as a wounded servant. He's coming back as a glorious king, a conqueror. With a, with a tattoo on his thigh called Faithful and True. Come on, somebody. He's going to be seated on a white stallion. Come on. He is not coming on a donkey in some lowly manger anymore. He's already came as that. He's coming back as conqueror and king, and he is king of kings, and you are the kings that he is king of. Come on, y'all. So we got to begin to shift in this identity. Well, the reason why the Spirit of God was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified, because God is not building my life after the suffering Jesus. He's building my life after the glorified Jesus. Come on, y'all. And every artist has to have a model to look at while he's working on what he is painting. So God is looking at the, come on, he's looking at the conquering king, and he's looking back at me, and he's modeling my life and painting the brush strokes of his mercy and grace on my heart so that I can become and be molded into the image of the Son of God. Come on, this is why Romans 8 said, God is crying out for these image bearers, these type of sons. All right, man, I'm hollering. I'm screaming. But listen, so he gets in this place and he's wrestling with this man in the shadows, this shadow man. Because what happens, listen to me, what happens is, and, and there, there's a person who, Brene Brown is another one. If you've not watched any of her TED Talks or read her book, she's another one on how to really, how to overfeed, defeat this shadow man is really through vulnerability. Learning how to be vulnerable. And to learn how to be vulnerable is simply this. It's the ability to tell your whole story. How many knows that God told the whole story of David? He didn't just tell him. He just didn't let us know his triumphs. He didn't just let us know his victories. He showed us his weakness. He showed us his failures. You are not only your strengths, you are also your weaknesses. Come on, y'all. And as, as we, but how many knows this? That, that God doesn't want us to, God don't want us to just keep holding those weaknesses. He wants the light of his glory to come into us. And so here's this. If I'm not aware that I have a shadow man, I will live out of that shadow man instead of real, living out of the real man. So tools like the Enneagram to reveal what? They reveal the shadow man inside of you. Well, if I begin, and I, I, there is a test that you have to pay for, which is the more extensive test that you go through. Not just a little quick 40, uh, 40 questions that you can answer off of Google that spits out this number. And according to the Enneagram, there's nine personality traits. And all of those personality traits work or whatever. So anyhow, those that know me this, the number that revealed to me, I read the, the things on there, how to describe that number. And I was like, unbelievable. I mean, I was like, I can't believe how... How, how this is describing this type of personality. You with me? My boys know this, and this, they benefit from this a great deal. I'm a huge giver, and they know how to turn that. Are you with me? But anything that we do, according to my number, is too much of a good thing is not enough. Needs to be a little more. So instead of just going into the store every time we go down to the gulf to fish we pull in there I can't buy two packs or something I got to buy at least 20 packs and Grant says what are we doing you know what I'm saying so then when we sold one of our boats and cleaned it out I had a am I telling my story son we had a garbage bag probably $1,500 worth of gulp that was in that boat that I wouldn't even realize I just kept buying because why excessive that's who that's why we do it so I'm, I'm learning how to Nothing, nothing trumps the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. David said this, search me, O God. You know what I'm saying? But I'm thinking, man, if this, if this psychology stuff or whatever can, can, I mean, you mean, can God use science? You know what I'm saying? He used a doctor to write the book of Acts and the book of Luke. Huh? So we start learning. We start, we start figuring it out. So then I was like, okay, God, this wrestler's been in me for, this, 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 this deceiver, heel grabber, he's been in me for a long time. And I realize I'm never going to move in the destiny that I am. I can never take Jacob into the promised land. 
Y'all, could it be that, but that God's not prevent, God's not the one holding us back from the promises? Could it be our own selves not that's holding us back from the promises? Could it be the level of immaturity we're at is what's keeping us back from the full things that God is wanting to show us? Because Galatians 4 said, as long as a child remains a child, he remains under tutors. Even though he's heir of all things. Even though he has he, he, he's, he's promised of all things. He's heir of all things. And I said it like this. My dad died in 2006. Grant was two and a half years old. My dad bought him before he dies. He bought him a bolt action hunting rifle. How many knows that when he was two and a half, I didn't say, son, there's the gun that your granddaddy bought you. Run out, run out and shoot us something. No, he would have killed us or himself. Why? Because he was not at a level to hold that. Even though it's 100% his, it had to stay in the safe until he got to a place of maturity that he could show that he was ready to hold something like that. I have boys. So John Bentley, he got a case sodbuster for Christmas from an from a uncle or something. And I thought, man, this sodbuster is a little bit, this case sodbuster, even though it's a nice knife, it's a nice gift. But I mean, I think he's a little bit too young to have this. You know what I'm saying? But... We let him have it. You know what I'm saying? That's why about one in the morning, I feel somebody tapping on my shoulder. And he says, hey, Dad, do we got any Band-Aids? And I said, yeah. I said, what do you need a Band-Aid for? Now I look, and you can see the bone nearly about on his finger. We took him over there to Allison's the following morning. She said, I definitely got to have stitches. What happened? He was not ready to hold something like that. So could it be that God is speaking to us, speaking to me, and speaking to us as a body, we've got to work on the identity crisis of where we're at. I guess it's just me. John, work on the identity crisis of where you're at. I want you to have a thick set of thighs. You with me now? Man, that, that sounded good, didn't it? I want your thighs to be strong in identity. The women saying, I ain't praying that on me. Huh? This is what the Jabez prayer does. Stretch forth me, oh God. Listen, <laughs> could it be, I'm done right here. Could it be God said, I want you to have strong identity because the second thing I noticed was how strong his shoulders were. Isaiah 6 says that a child is born. A child is born and a son is given. There's a, there is a process, there's a time between a child is born and a son is given. We're in that in-between. The church goes from glory to glory. Joseph Garlington says, between glory to glory, it gets gory. That is where we've been at, wanting to give up. I can't make it. I can't do this. This is too hard. We are in the hallway between two glories. Come on, y'all. T.D. Jakes preaches it like this. In the beginning, you're always in the beginning. So you go to 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Everybody's excited. We're on a 10. And then we pray this. Lord God, take me deeper. I want to go higher. Oh, take me higher. And so what happened is God does take you higher. But to get to the next level, you got to go back to 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. God, I want to go higher. I want to go higher. But you go all the way back, but you're higher. Come on, somebody. And this is where we're at. We're in between these two glories. And it's been gory. Come on now. How many knows that the pregnancy, the roughest part, is the last trimester? That's where you can't even get comfortable. You're talking about the woman nesting. Let me tell you something. Kathy, she ain't even comfortable. Listen, you get up and then get down. It's too hot. It's too cold. Come on now. And how many knows when you get ready to give, a, give, give birth to a baby? Have you ever been to a delivery room? The delivery room does not look like the Ritz Carlton. Comfort is not the top priority of a, of a delivery room. Life is the top priority of the living room. The bed that you get to get up in to deliver a baby. You don't look at that and say, my God, that, that thing looks like a temper beauty. That's the nicest. I mean, covered. I, they did not have Mike Lindell's My Pillows on the bed. Because it is not for resting. It is for giving birth. There's pile of towels. There's, there's all kind of instruments hanging in there, all kind of sanitizing stuff because it's about to get messy up in that place. 
There's about to be blood. Come on, somebody. There's about to be water. There's about to be fluid. I ne Catherine never looked at me and said, I get a mirror and tell me how good I look giving birth to this baby. She had beads of sweat. She sounded like a lion. I thought she was dying. She had me by the neck, the ears, everything else. But what was happening is what was been sealed up and concealed in the darkness of the womb was now in the birth canal in the transition. This is where we're at, church. We are transitioning out of the church age into the kingdom age, into the kingdom life. Come on, somebody. And as that baby began to transition down, she began to get in great pain. And the pain starts. She was just uncomfortable in agonizing pain. And I remember her looking at me when she was giving birth to Grant. She says, I can't do it. I said, you can, Catherine. You can do it. She needed a coach. This is why we cannot forsake to assemble ourselves together. We encourage one another. We need the marriage to rise up and say, I have an encounter, Elizabeth. And the Bible says that Elizabeth heard that, that, that Mary talked to her. And it says that John the Baptist leaped in her womb and she was filled with the Holy Spirit. When you tell me your encounters like you walked in my office this morning, Timmy, and you said, I heard God speak to me this morning and tears was coming down your eyes. It gave me great faith to say, hey, God, you're moving and I missed. If you're talking to Timmy, you're moving and I missed. I'm done. I've got to be done right here. She said, I can't do it, John. I can't do it. I cannot do it. Grant got stuck, and it got really, really hard on her. And, man, I was worried. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm in my early 20s. I've never seen a child be born. And me, because I'm aggressive or whatever, I was going to help her. And I had one of her legs clean off the table, like double back. And the nurse finally said, sir, you need to just go over here and just go over here and pray because you're going to kill her. Well, I'm trying to help her. I mean, you thought I was in there playing for the national championship or something. I mean, I was about tearing off, you know. Jacob, you're never going to cross over into the promised land. I can't make, I can't take what's in you and cause this to be the heritage of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You got to go into Israel. But if you can be transformed into the prince with God, one who has wrestled and prevailed, every promise that I've ever spoken over your life, you're going to watch what I told you back when you had the visitation in Genesis 28. This is where we're at. Church, I've been living with the promises inside of my loins for a long time, since I was in my early 20s. And like everybody else, I get frustrated. But here's what we got. Let, let me go back to this. I'm going to end with this. I'm, not, I'm just having to quit. When God spoke in Luke, Luke writes this. He says, greetings to you, O Theopolis. Is right? Luke chapter 1. It, King James says that. Greetings uh, to you, O Theopolis. That Theopolis is not a person. Most uh, commentators agree that's not a person. It literally means to the lovers of God. So Luke is writing to the lovers of God. And he tells this story about a man named Zacharias who lots fell on him and he was, he was there praying inside the tabernacle, right? We hang him back out on this Mary and Elizabeth deal. Holy Ghost just seems to write it. And so he's in there and he said, Thy prayers heard. When you read that, thy prayers heard, if you got a passion translation, if you look down in Brian Simmons' footnotes, he'll say this. What that literally means, the prayer you no longer pray and believe in anymore. God's come to answer that. This is where we're at. God is about to breathe. I feel his wind right now just come in this place. He's going to breathe on the dream and the prayer that we don't even no longer have the faith to pray anymore. God, you said that. God, you said you were going to do this. And man, I'm telling you, everything has been opposite. It ain't looked nothing like that. I mean, God, you said you was going to take Isaiah 54, and that was going to be my promise, that you was going to stretch forth the tabernacle. You was going to strengthen the stakes. You was going to spread like peanut butter. I mean, where's all that? We can't even buy somebody to come to the house of God anymore. I mean, God, where's those things? This is where we've been at, God. You promised me that. You promised me you was going to send somebody into my life, and I mean, it's just nothing. Man, I mean, I can't even get on Christian Mingle and find something. You know what I'm saying? God, where is this at? God, where is this? The prayer you no longer pray. I'm here to answer it, Zechariah. Zechariah is old. 
he looks back at Gabriel, the announcer of heaven, and he said, how could this be? Look how old I am. How can this be? Gabriel said, because you did not believe. Listen to this. He said, because you did not He said, I want a sign. He said, because you did, did not believe. I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of the Most High God. And because you did not believe, you shall be silenced until you see it. Because God was not going to allow him to defeat with his mouth what God was prophesying in the realm of the Spirit. Come on, church. I'm telling you, we got to have a language change. We got to begin to talk different. We got to say what he's saying. And I'm telling you this. I told Kevin another day, I said something yesterday, and she said, that is not so. I don't care what that says. That is not so. This is what God says. It is time we change the language. Don't look in the bank ledger and say we broke. Come on, somebody. Say he owns a cattle of a thousand hills. God supplied my needs according to his riches and glory. I told her this. I said, I've given my way out of debt. I'll give my way out of debt again. Come on, somebody. If God come through one time, he'll come through again. That's why he says, stand, therefore stand. Girded with the whole armor of God. God is moving just like this, friend. If he touched you one time, stand in a place and he'll do it again. So God silenced him. Silenced, he can't speak. All he could do is walk the word out now. Can't say nothing about it. Has anybody, I'm, I'm done, but has anybody else spoke some negative stuff besides me in 2020? Cleve sent us a picture the other day and it was a man that was fishing in a pair of flip-flops and he stepped on this big lure and had three treble hooks all the way through his foot and said if 2020 was a fishing trip. <laughs> this year been hard. Come on. This year's been difficult for a lot of people. People buried loved ones they thought would have, come on now, prematurely. This has been one crazy year. But the Bible says... When gross darkness covers the land, arise and shine for the light has come. God is looking for the photosynthesis of the church. In darkness, I want you to rise and shine. I want you to receive the light and convert it into wisdom around you. Church, you ready to stand and pray? We just got to quit. We got to go home. <clears throat> Let's just stand and pray right here. Come on, I just want to pray over us. Pick it up right now. Come on, raise your hands. Let's receive this. Father, we just thank you for just a, just a, just a change. A change. I thank you, Lord, that you're building strong identity in me. Strong identity in me. I thank you for the things that have plagued my life for years. I will see them fall off in the name of the Lord God. Come on, y'all. Just remember this, at Isaiah 10, 27, the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. That is not a picture of just a quick boom happening. What that is a picture of, a, of, of oxen and cattle being placed in the stall and fed until they become so fat that it breaks the yoke that's around their neck. So, Father, we declare we're going to feast on the Word like never before. We're going to feast on your presence like never before. And, God, I thank you for just a, just, a, just a strong identity being placed into the church. I thank you for Cornerstone coming into her identity of who we are are and whose we are in the name of the Lord. I thank you for great advancement. I thank you for great strength. I thank you for great courage coming on this body of people in the name of the Lord God. And I thank you for the prayers we no longer pray. You're about to visit us in those areas. In the mighty name of Jesus. Come on church, give the Lord a mighty hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Jesus' mighty name. God bless you all. We will see you next Sunday. We hope you enjoyed our message of the week. Thanks for joining us. Our passion at Cornerstone is our family atmosphere built on deep relationships. We want to connect with you. Please take a moment and download our app and connect with us on social media to stay updated with all things Cornerstone. We pray you have a wonderful week.